Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from Acts, starting at chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you. As you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And day by day, the Lord added to their number 
those who were being saved. The second reading is taken from Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 10. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately... Something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. And then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem amongst those who invoked this name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray together? Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would touch each one of us as we hear these words to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to speak on this day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit filled all those disciples and the church was born. On God's vision for his church to be devoted to being an evangelizing community. Now, 
just in case you don't know, so we all get on the same page. There are, there are three major Christian festivals. We know them as Christmas and Easter and, of course, Pentecost. On this day, if you like, when Jesus' promise that he made repeatedly to his disciples was fulfilled when the Spirit would fall upon all of those disciples and the church was born. For we read, don't we, in verse 4 of Acts chapter 2, all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. We could say that just as we're seeing, if you think about it, a new normalized world coming into existence as a result of this pandemic, so the day of Pentecost brought a new normalized experience for the people of God. You see, before the day of Pentecost, what we find is this. In the Old Testament, uh, up to that time, was this, that the Holy Spirit only came upon particular people. Those people were usually prophets or priests. They were kings or judges. And he came upon them for a particular purpose, for a particular period of time. Pentecost was the day the world changed. And on this day, what we would see is we'd see two immediate signs accompanied those disciples being filled with the Holy Spirit. The first was that they were given a new language. They were given a new language by God that they never knew to spontaneously praise him, to give words of praise and words of love. And unbeknown to them, this this new language that they were given was known by the crowds who'd gathered outside the upper room at this time because they'd heard all this noise and this commotion and they were wondering what was going on. And what we find, because it was the festival of weeks, one of the major Jewish festivals of the year at that time in Jerusalem, we see that the Jews had gathered from the then all-known world. And they heard these disciples, these Galileans, speaking in all these different languages that we see recorded there but not only do we see this sign what we also find as well is we find that there is a new boldness a new boldness to proclaim God in public like never seen before as what we see is these disciples are rushed almost from that upper room almost like spurred by the spirit and dragged into the market square of Jerusalem where they stand together if you like And Peter declares Jesus as the saviour, lord and king of the universe. And it's the second of those two signs that I want us to focus upon this morning. You see, if we were to read the rest of the book of Acts, it would take us about two hours. And if we were to read the rest of the book of the Acts, what we'd see is this. We'd find that the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers in five other times it's recorded in the book of Acts. What you'd find in four of those five occasions is one of those two signs, either the sign of praising God in new languages or this sign of new boldness to, pray, to speak about God in public was evident. And when we think about that second sign, to speak about God in public, that's the one we're going to focus upon. Here's why. You see, as we, if you imagine, seesaw through the stages of this pandemic, as I think it was Keith who put in his prayers last week, what we see at this pivotal moment for us is we're exploring what does it mean to be a church? What does it mean to be a community of faith? 
And to do that, we're examining, if you like, the prototype church. This was the earliest church's application of Jesus' words. And we're looking at four of these different marks, four of these different expressions, if you like, of God's vision of what it means to be a church, as we see recorded in Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. We've seen already they were a caring church. We've seen already that they were a worshipping church. And now what we see is that they were an evangelizing church. Here's how it was recorded in Acts 2, verse 47. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. See, the early church was just devoted to speaking about Jesus because they believed the best decision anyone could ever make in their life was to become a follower of his. And not just from this passage, but if we were to read the rest of the New Testament, what we'd see is that there are two roles when it comes to evangelism. There's a role for us and there's a role for God. Here's what we see as God's role as the evangelist. We see it in verse 47. That's his role. His role is to be the evangelist. Did you hear those words? The Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It's only Jesus Christ who by his Holy Spirit can convict anyone to become a follower of Jesus Christ. That is not our responsibility. It's his responsibility. And what we read is we read, the Lord added to his number those who were being saved. What that means is this. The Lord didn't add them to the church without saving them. And he didn't save them without adding them to the church. What that means is becoming a follower of Jesus Christ and being a member of a church go together. They're never separated. And thirdly, we read that the Lord added to their number on a day-by-day basis. It wasn't just an occasional activity. It was continuous as their worship. God's role is to be the evangelist. So what's our role when it comes to evangelizing? Well, let's think about, for the moment, Acts chapter 9. You see, on one of those occasions that I mentioned earlier, those five of occasions when the Holy Spirit falls upon the believers, one of them is Acts chapter 9, when the man Saul of Tarsus is filled with the Holy Spirit after his dramatic encounter with living Jesus on the road to Damascus. You see, when it comes to evangelism, doesn't it, we can perhaps look at what we might perceive as superheroes of the Christian faith. Like Peter on the day of Pentecost. Like Paul as he would become. And think, well, they're in a different league from me. But what about the man who was sent to Saul of Tarsus that day? If Peter and Paul are superheroes of the faith when it comes to evangelizing, perhaps we should see Ananias as the patron saint of ordinary evangelism. 
You see, through Ananias' encounter with the Lord Jesus and Saul of Tarsus, what we can identify is what our role is when it comes to evangelizing. You see, our role, first of all, is about being open to God. You see, when God calls Ananias that day, remember his words? Yes, Lord, or reenacting the words almost of Isaiah the prophet. Here I am, Lord. Being open to God and what he might want to say to you is the starting point for evangelism. Jesus is looking for our availability rather than our ability. To say each day, here I am, Lord. You see, because we're all called, whoever we are, to give the reason to anyone who asks for the hope we have. Since it launched five years ago, during this period from Ascension to Pentecost, we've participated in this global prayer movement launched by the Archbishops of Canterbury and York, Thy Kingdom Come, where we ask God to empower us to be effective witnesses for him. And we pray at this time and throughout the year for up to five people that we know and love who don't know Jesus, that they would come to meet him. I wonder how we're doing at being open to the gentle nudges of God to talk to Jesus, to those five people we know and love who don't know him. Evangelism is about being open to God. Secondly, evangelism is about being honest before God Ananias is open to God's prompting but he's not lost his mind has he you see he's heard already of how bad Saul of Tarsus is you know if you imagine at this time you don't need to know much of your Bibles to know he was public enemy number one when it came to the church here's how he described him Lord I've heard about this man Saul and how much evil he has done to your saints. It's a very difficult place for Ananias to go. And if we're honest, we too have fears and concerns when it comes to evangelizing and sharing our faith today. The fear of what people might think of us. The fear of ridicule. The fear of not knowing what to say. You know, I was just reading this morning of a politician in the Scottish Parliament, if you like, one of the leading lights in the Scottish SLP, who describes sharing her faith as having to tiptoe around it. Or it can feel, as the recent words of the comedian Frank Skinner said, can be very accurate. You can be anything in Britain today except a Christian. Sometimes wonder what they're so scared of. You see, now while I can resonate with Frank Skinner's statement, I can. I also know paradoxically that often where God is calling us to evangelize is on our own front lines. You know, it's in those places where we live, where we work, where we study, where we play, the people we know and love. That's the people in the main that we're called to evangelize to. And what I also know is true. 
the, the opposite is true. That two-thirds of all non-Christians will actually call Christians that they know friendly. That's why love is always the only reason for evangelizing. And why we predominantly talk Jesus to the people we know and love. Because when this doesn't happen, we just treat people as a project rather than as a person. And we all know what that feels like. Jesus is looking for our honesty more than our strength. I wonder how we're doing at being honest with him about our fears and concerns in evangelizing. Evangelism is about being open to God. It's about being honest before God and it's about being obedient to God. You see, we read, despite his concern, Ananias does go to the house of Judas on Straight Street in Damascus and the rest of the world changes. Sometimes as we see here, God will tell us what will happen before we go. On other occasions, he won't. But did you notice the words that Ananias used upon meeting Saul? Calls him Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice those words, Brother Saul. Ananias shows a wonderful step in obedience for Jesus. You see, Jesus is looking for our obedience more than our confidence. As he himself said in Luke's gospel, in the context of witnessing, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what you ought to say. Evangelism is about being open to God. It's about being honest before God and it's about being obedient to God. And all of us, whoever we are, are all called to do that work. To talk of how we met Jesus and the difference he makes to our lives. I wonder how we're doing at being obedient to Jesus in evangelizing rather than our own preferences and feelings. You see, we can only be devoted to being an evangelizing community or a caring community or a worshiping community for that matter by being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Ephesians 5 verse 19 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the idea here is that in our lives we should be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, not just filled to the top, but overflowing with him. Outflowing out of our lives. You see, what the pages of the Bible show me and what the story of our lives reveal is we find it very difficult to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe it's just me. You see, we find ourselves doing what we're commanded not to do in the Bible, which is to quench the Holy Spirit. To quench the Holy Spirit means that we, if you like, try to extinguish, or we try to take the heat out, or we try to blow out what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, in our boldness to talk Jesus on our front line. And we just quench his work. Instead, what we're exhorted to do 
is rather as Paul would later say to his mentor Timothy, rekindle or fan into flame the gift of God which was given to you through the laying on of my hands. You see, to fan into flame involves inviting the Holy Spirit to blow on the embers of our soul that might have become dimly lit like an open fire and allow him to breathe fresh life into our souls to fire us up with a burning passion once more to proclaim the risen Jesus. It's been very easy over these past 14 months to become an isolated piece of coal. And when a piece of coal is isolated, it loses its heat. When we might become isolated from our church community, it's very easy for us to become cold, especially in our evangelism. And the Holy Spirit offers us this invitation, not just this morning, but every morning, to be rekindled, to be fanned into flame once more with the burning heat of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the risen Jesus. That's why we pray every week, come Holy Spirit. The oldest prayer in the church, but it isn't just a prayer that we should pray on a Sunday. It's a prayer we should pray every morning. Come Holy Spirit. It's not a command to God. I mean, it's barely an invitation. It's just an appeal. An appeal to know God's presence in our lives that will sustain us in the everyday. Because for all of us who are parents, we know this. We know we love to give good gifts to our children. Well, in the Bible we read that just as much as we love to give good gifts to our children, so much more does our Heavenly Father long to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.